Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. dedicated to Henry Foreman. In the year of the final the mammoth and horse, the man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of a holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, the man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the Now then, now then, now then, welcome to episode 88 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill. Welcome to the last transmission of the year, the last telegraph from the bunker. Indeed, indeed, this is Agitators Anonymous. You are very welcome to my end of year roundup, my end of year musings, my end of year bullshit. It's got a bit of a ramble as I keep using that word all the time. It's got a bit of this, a bit of that. But most importantly, or at least I've chosen it to be the most important aspect of this particular podcast, it will be a little bit of a rumination on what the meaning of freedom is. Because as someone said to me the other week, freedom isn't just doing whatever you want. And I thought to myself, well, that's one of the most idiotic statements and a statement of someone who has not thought about what freedom means very much, as many people who will accuse you of of being uncaring and unkind for simply questioning the narrative. I'm sure many of you who, like me, have questions to ask. As I've said before many times, the watchword of this podcast is skepticism is the only rational perspective on everything. That's my motto or something I've adopted um, or wherever it came from, who knows, um, but it's something I've been saying throughout the podcast, and it is 
how I look at these things. So I'm sure if you've been adopting the same posture, raising your hand and going, I have a question about what's going on, people go, oh, stop being so unkind with your questions. Stop questioning the mainstream narrative. So, uh, Alan, you think being free is just doing whatever you want? No, I don't. And I'm going to explain why. And I'm going to explain why that is an idiotic comment. As long as, or as well as many other idiotic comments we've all had to endure over the past two years for having a question about what's going on, about a question about the motives of um, the 1% of big pharma, of transnational corporations, of the political elite, of all the people you should be questioning. The idea that questioning these things of trying to hold power to account on some level means you are the enemy, means if you do feel like that, you have been perfectly played by those systems of authority and institutions of power and influence with propaganda. Classic divide and conquer propaganda. If you are angry at the people who are asking questions of the things that you should be asking questions of, then you have been played in my humble opinion as it means anything at all here in this little small drop in the ocean. I was about to say topographic ocean, but then I thought, would a yes, um, a yes pun, a yes reference be really worthwhile at this moment? Probably not. But anyway, listen, if you like the podcast and rate and review it, feed the algorithm. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash Alan Averill, where I do other podcasts, music rehearsals, this, that, and the other for as little as a dollar a month because I can't understand the whole concept of the tears. And if you know someone who might enjoy the podcast, link it to them. This is how it grows, as I've seen quite a reasonable growth in the last few months. Similarly, if you know anyone who might be annoyed by the podcast, oh, I'm happy to be the implement of choice to poke them into irritation. So here is your, what shall we call it? New Year's Eve message of death and illness straight from the bunker. You and your family are due some death and illness. Thank you, Mr. Biden. So this is, as I said, going to be a scattergun discussion of the year. It may make sense. It may not. Well, let's see. It also might include my top five or three or ten albums of the year, if I can find it in my heart, to draw from the well some positivity. Um, It might also appear, but I can't make any promises on that. The podcast is going to keep going. Um, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, Like I said, it's still season one because we're still living in restrictions. So I promised right at the start of the podcast that there would not be a season two until all of this is in the rearview mirror. Now, if you're listening to me from um, a few places around the world, you might be going, but Alan, it seems to be in the rearview mirror. Certainly not in my country where society is closed at 8 p.m., We have no gigs, we have no art, we have no music, we have no social society, um, we have nothing of the sort, only the tyrannical demands of an unelected health official elite. And that is really where Ireland is right now. And it it is appearing to be like this for at least the next month. And then, who knows? Now, if you've been following the whole Monster Energy variant, stroke Omicron, whatever this is, it would seem to me, it would seem to you, it would seem to most people that this is what viruses do. They make themselves, um, let's say, to survive um, and to spread more. They make themselves less virulent, less fatal, 
and more transmissible. And so it's rifling its way through society and the media is full of papers screaming at us that it has the worst case number, um, the worst case number of any day, etc. Only the fact that it ain't killing people and there aren't hospitalizations to speak of. It is, it would by, well, it is by all accounts, um, milder than the common cold would appear to be. But yet still we remain in um, many, many restrictions, many levels of restriction. And you've probably seen what's happening in countries like Austria, Germany, Belgium, Holland, etc., etc. So if you are from a place of the world, please DM me and tell me where that place is. Um, and uh, are you taking any refugees? Please ask your local consulate. Um, but let me know what's going on in your country, in your area, what are the restrictions like? Because many, many people message me and going, they're going, what is going on in Europe? or Canada or Australia, it looks absolutely crazy. It is indeed crazy, my friends. Um, like I said right now, in my rainy grey city, it is over by 8pm. And I think it suits many people for it to be over. And now, almost coming up on two years of restrictions and rules, I would imagine those of you who thought that some of us were being a little bit alarmist Maybe in the dark night of the soul are quietly wondering what the F is going on. Maybe you are man or woman of man or woman enough in the age of doubling down and never admitting one is wrong or at least has doubts. Maybe you are thinking something about this ain't right and you owe some people in your life something of an apology. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But the podcast is going to keep on going and keep supporting freedom of speech in absolute terms as censorship is indeed the cornerstone of tyranny. It's going to keep supporting sceptical thinking as scepticism, as I said, is the only rational perspective over all. It may lose both me and you friends along the way, but the stakes are huge, right? I'm happy to be wrong, as I said many times, and hold my hands up to madness. And who would blame um, who would blame anyone for not having lost some sense of sanity this last 22-odd months? But if not, well then. So as, the newer, so as the new year is upon us, I will continue to champion the same things to try and be, a, you know, a bit braver and a bit more outspoken, as I think dissenting voices are needed now more than ever. As we can certainly see, the rush from big tech, the rush from state and media um, to censor whoever for speaking out for dissent um, is massive. Not, of course, that they would be particularly looking my way with my little grain of sand in the ocean, but every small bit helps. And how strange it is that many people that I know Many fellow musicians who spent their lives being opposed to faith and belief and championing rebellion and dissent, I now see more or less carrying water for big pharma, for um, huge technocratic platforms, for the incoming technocracy, for political elites, for huge transnational corporations who benefit from the situation from disaster capitalists, for people who um, stand to gain power and economics from lockdown or forms of restrictions continuing. How I have seen many of those people carrying water, as we say, or doing the dirty work for those um, for those multitude of institutions or people. It seems quite strange to me how we once talked about holding 
power to account, how we question power, how we look back at the music we liked of the 70s, 80s and 90s about how one time it was sticking it to the man, questioning the man, holding the man, whoever the man may be. And in this case, the man may be all of the things I just mentioned was once holding that power to account. I now see so many people, fellow musicians and artists, not questioning the narrative anymore and banging the drum for all of those things. And if that is true, then um, they are really doing so. Are they doing so? I would ask from a, a faith-based perspective, as in we must have faith, we must have belief in the institutions, we must fo follow the rules of our government and unelected health officials who stand to gain from this situation continuing. We must have faith in our political elite, yet time and time again we have been lied to by them throughout your lifetime, not only for the last two years. The idea that the 1% and the people who represent them or who um, stand to gain from the interests of power economics care about you is very, very small. So to see so many people, um, I thought, would understand more plainly the concept of holding power to account and questioning authority, doing exactly the opposite is quite strange. So let us be dissenting voices, my friends. Or you can just think I'm an idiot. I'm a COVID-idiot. Or just a plain old idiot. And that's fair enough. Sometimes I do indeed dip low into the lap of idiocy. But at least I am questioning, sceptical, trying to be as rational as possible. Freedom has become a dirty word, my friends. And that is really the subject and the the trope, if you want, of this podcast. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Somehow now associated with the alt-right. Uh, somehow, how is that possible? How is that possible? Ask yourself that. That, for me, is the overriding, darkly existential message this year has delivered to me. That people heightened to a state of fear by propaganda... And if you disbelieve that, then, then please check out how many behavioural psychologists were on the boards of advisory bodies which instructed lockdown and compliance. Um, they're pleased. They're pleased with their work. They're pleased with their black propaganda, my friends. There certainly was more behavioural psychologists on the board of many of those um, advisory, health advisory boards like Sage and Neffet, then there certainly were economists. And how we were told before lockdown that our mental health mattered that much and then seemed to not matter a jot, just as I think of the words mental health. But they are pleased with their black propaganda. Liberty, fraternity, and what's the other word? Egalitaire, egality, egalitarian, however way you want to slice it. The people wound to breaking point with fear would hand over their freedom freedoms unquestioningly almost is the most important lesson from this last year as our as our mate stalin once said and maybe i'll butcher this quote give me the people for uh, was it not two years and i will have them for 20 or was it two months and i will have them for 20 either way give me the people and let me work my propaganda magic on them and i will have them for x amount of years and here we are somewhat the living proof of that somewhat the living proof of that you can walk around the streets of Dublin in fact I could go outside right now and take a run by the canal in the lashings of rain and wind and I would still see people 
with masks on in the dead of night, in the rain, in the wind. Um, or even more fascinating, couples, one with a mask on, one with a mask off. Well, if the one with the mask on believed that the virus was everywhere in the dead of night, surely their other half without the mask would get it and then give it to them when they took their mask off later in flagrante delicto, or whatever the word is. Yes, indeed, um, it doesn't make any sense to me. But of course... That's what it is. The propaganda of fear stops our ability to sense-make, at least in my opinion. And I've said many times, what you hand away, you don't get back. The world, to me at least, in my studying of history um, or my understanding of travel and having been to countries who have um, coped in our living memory with um, propaganda, authoritarianism and tyranny, um, the world doesn't walk like, work like that. Walk like that. Walk this way. Uh, the world doesn't work like that. And you can balk if you wish and say, Alan, but be kind. Stop talking about this kind of stuff. Well, history, my friends, is on my side. Democracy is not the default setting of this world. And we just got a year-long lesson in that. Well, almost a two-year-long lesson in that. Did anyone vote for these measures? Are you being consulted about what is mandatory or not? Did you vote for these behavioural psychologists or health officials? Did I vote for Fauci or his minions? I did not. I mean, I understand the game. The game theory dictates that if you want the public to move, the nudge, as they call it, you must nudge them in the right direction. And how you move them without opposition and what works more than fear? Um, absolutely nothing. Yet, when does this become coercion? When does it become authoritarianism? Um, well, let's call it a polite nudge becomes manipulation. I would say clearly we crossed that line a few months ago in the emergency. And all the folk who mocked me told me, oh, come on, Alan. Come on, Alan. We'll be out of this by the end of the summer. <laughs> Not this summer, just gone, the one before. Oh, come on, everyone is just doing their best they got to pull together. Now, I don't disagree with it. Everybody should be doing their best and pull together. But that doesn't mean you shelve your rational thinking ability. It doesn't mean that you simply believe the state, media, technocratic, um, big pharma narrative without question. And you certainly don't call those who do question it... Um, all manner of polar opposite things, all manner of um, insults. It just doesn't make sense. All it is is playing into the classic divide and conquer narrative we are living through that would have us balkanize each other. And that, I think, is how all of these new surreptitious rules um, get slipped under the mat, slipped under the rug, slipped under the door in the dead of night without anyone questioning them because what does power want but more power? Um, and so has that moment passed to stand up against what is, I think in my terms, a form of biomedical tyranny? And I don't use those words lightly. Oh, come on, Alan. Well, listen, I can claim madness if not. And if by the summer... This is all in the rearview mirror. And let's be honest, if these are if this new, um, let's call it mild version of the fine is the final throes of a pandemic, which if you do look at a little bit of epidemiology or virology, it would seem to be the last motif of a virus. So therefore, if that is true, well, then that would mean that, let's say by the summer, that this should be 
more or less a done deal. Well, if so, does that mean your vaccine passport becomes redundant? Because surely you don't need a vaccine passport if there is no pandemic anymore. But yet we kind of all know that that is not going to be the case, that this the vaccine passports are going to, let's say, I will go out on a limb and say they are going to stay in place regardless of whether this pandemic is declared over or not. And I would doubt that it will be declared over or it will simply just be stated that it will stay in place just in case there is another one looming. Who knows? Because the state will have to keep you safe. We've also seen clearly how many musicians and artists sadly have fallen in line with the mainstream narrative. As I said once before, musicians and artists stuck it to the man or at very least asked him what the hell is going on. Once upon a time, maybe I'm being a bit romantic, who knows, but the artistic community viewed authority in all its forms with suspicion and outright opposition. Stick it to the man, as I said. When did the man have your interest at heart? Didn't the man send us to Nam, man? Yeah, I like that one too. Didn't the man send us to war? Didn't the man censor our songs, etc., etc.? Yet now we see artists lining up to call those of us who are sceptical, and let's repeat the mantra, scepticism, um, they're lining up to call those of us who have questions all sorts of manner of things, from COVIDiots to alt-right to five this, blah, 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 blah. Everything else or anything else is um, irrational, let's say, and therefore lurks, as I would say, into the realm of faith, i.e. have faith in the institutions, have faith in the institutions. I'm afraid for a man who errs on the side of science and rationality, I can't have faith in that sense. And yet we see, as I said, metal, metal musicians who sang songs opposing faith, now lining up, as I said, to call people covidiots who lack faith, really. It seems quite strange to me. It would appear that being a genuine rebel these days is to simply question everything or to question at all, which is, as I've said a million times, the rational, clever thing to do. You want to be with stupid? Then fail to question. It's sad and curious for me to see artists and musicians carrying water. I've said that before. Carrying water, it's a kind of odd phrase. Let's say doing the dirty work for... The 1% for transnational biomedical companies, big pharma and big tech censorship. Of course, to be fair, there are people, of course, who are idiots who believe some outlandish things. If I will try and hold the line between both positions and points of view, no doubt. But to label anyone with a question about what's happening as an idiot in itself is idiotic. Because we should have questions about everything. Follow the science. I am the science fiction We've been told many times over the last year, and often by people who don't seem to understand the word science. Many times over the course of the year, I was told, follow the science. And let's be clear, the nature of science is itself that it constantly changes. It updates with new information. It wishes to be wrong, even by its own measurements, so therefore to refine itself nearer to the truth. It is not a monolith. It does not stand still. This is not the purpose of science. And if you think that is untrue, uh, then you've misunderstood the word. What you meant to say was, 
most likely propaganda instead. So any scientist, any scientist, any scientist still working off the prediction models of 20 months ago is wrong by proxy. Well, not by proxy, but most clearly. And let's be crystal clear, scientists, just like their research, can be bought and sold by lobbyists. If you've seen the clip on YouTube of all the shows on CNN sponsored by Pfizer, you can clearly see what I mean. Do a search for that if you wish. Um, you really expect, let's say, for example, a scientist appearing on a CNN program following one of those advertisements um, to be critical of what's happening by the people making billions out of lockdown and vaccination going as long as possible to have a dissenting voice? Obviously not. That's not what's going to happen. You're not going to have a scientist coming out on a program sponsored by Big Pharma coming out against Big Pharma. I mean, that should be fairly clear to anyone. We've all seen and heard about the tobacco lobbyists who for years and years trotted out scientists saying there was no link between cancer and smoking. We know this to not be, we know this to be untrue. There is, of course, a link between cancer and smoking. So they were and are, and there are, experts for hire. So then do the math, as we say. Have faith. Have faith in the tobacco lobby and what they were telling us. For example, might have been something somebody said 30, 40, 50 years ago. Have faith in tobacco. Why should we believe everything uh, everyone in a suit who shows up on morning TV should tell us how to live their lives or question it at all. Don't believe me. You don't believe me? Well, watch the documentary Merchants of Doubt and you will clearly see how the tobacco lobby funded experts and research for many years to halt the claims against the industry. Why should now be different? Because we're in an emergency. Well, to some degree, but no one can tell me in absolutes that zero or 100% of that question is not correct. And certainly there were people who would have been, I can imagine, funded to produce certain models. And if you can, if you want to go down that route, you can see or find the information pretty clearly. I think off the top of my head that Bill Gates spent 319 million euro funding various mainstream media narratives. So, you know, I think you would be yourself a fool to not think some fuckery was at play. Why should Big Pharma say, okay, this is another thing. Why should Big Pharma say, okay, we saved the day. Now go back to your normal lives. This was a one-time act, a one and only time act of altruism and philanthropy on our behalf. And now back to your normal lives. Of course not. We're customers now. And all good companies want returning customers. Booster three, four, five, and so on, perhaps even a daily pill. And why would it be any different? Your government is the customer now and they have ordered. They have orders that must be fulfilled, right? And you, it would seem, are the collateral damage in this transaction. And what does your government get out of this? Uh, well, a vaccine passport. And as I said, if there is no pandemic, then surely there should be no need for a vaccine passport. Or does it just become simply a digital passport? Digital integration, greater power and control of the population, a papers please society. They can tightly control with access to all elements of daily life. Why would they want that, Alan? Really, my darlings, please don't be so naive. All you must do is look at history. When did power ever not want more power? 
When did this kind of control and coercion not be the wish of all governments, fundamentally? When did this form of authoritarianism not lurk beneath the surface of human nature? I have history on my side of the argument. If you want to take the debate, no problem. Get your scorecard ready if you wish to debate that fact. So when someone says, follow the science, I sense they don't understand what that actually means. And our our unelected health kingpin comes on the airwaves today, the day after most people, tired and deflated, have been trying to see loved ones and tells them not to socialise, not to meet people, not to even shop or avoid packed public areas. And over what? Once we had that death toll counter on the screens every day to scare us and hospitalizations, now it's just cases. People get flu in winter, right? Except they don't anymore. The tens of thousands of people who did once upon a time die of a winter flu don't seem to be dying anymore. Oh, Alan, come on. Will you talk about some heavy metal and talk about something a bit less serious? Well, maybe so, maybe so. Do you know what the Nuremberg Code is? Well, I'll explain, courtesy of my friends in Wikipedia. If not, I think, well, part of the name, part of the clue is in the name. The Nuremberg Code is a set of research ethics principles for human experimentation created by the U.S. versus Brandt court as one result of the Nuremberg trials at the end of the Second World War. Um, in a written, in a review written on the 50th anniversary of the Brand verdict, Katz write that, Katz writes that, come on, Avril, El, you need to say this properly. A careful reading of the judgment suggests that the authors wrote the code for the practice of human experimentation whenever it is being conducted, etc., etc. Oh, now... Is that a bit of a reach to discuss the Nuremberg Code? The reason I do that is because there would have seemed to have been a certain amount of fake news about Ursula von der Leyen stating that the Nuremberg Code needs to be revoked. Basically, the Nuremberg Code is to stop medical experiments upon the public, upon people. Um, And the clue is in the name, um, the Nuremberg Code, um, which she did not exactly say. But what she did say is that um, the... European Union should consider mandatory vaccines, which fundamentally, I suppose, would go against the Nuremberg Code. Um, Pretty heavy, pretty serious stuff, but it exists for a reason. And that's one of the things that um, I think is most striking in the last year or two is that the pandemic has allowed emergency powers to be granted to unelected boards of officials um, that simply just suspend democracy, suspend civil liberties. And they have just been acting with impunity or without any reference to, um, well, let's just say, to democracy for the past 22 months. And does that continue into next year? Do they just continue to work like this? To go, well, you know, we can just disregard all of those things that Europe was, or the West was built upon, um, which I suppose one of the things it fought wars for, one of the things it put down fascism for, put down communism for, put down tyranny, and that was the pursuit of civil liberty. And many people have sort of said to me in some sort of strange, childish mantra, the be kind mantra. Well, if being kind is handing over all your civil liberties and all your freedoms, then we should not be kind. Because being kind, if being kind is being subordinate to a form of unelected authoritarianism, well then... 
please do not be kind. So it would appear, as I said, that this claim by Ursula van der Leyen, that this code needs to be scrapped, is sort of untrue. Anyway, when I did some fact-checking, which was kind of interesting, but... But what she did say is, it would seem, I think it is understandable and appropriate to lead this discussion right now, how we can encourage and potentially think about mandatory vaccination within the European Union. Um, this needs discussion, common approach, etc., etc. Um, so, a statement like that, at least it would appear to me, contravenes the Nuremberg Code, which is pretty serious stuff, even if she does not quite refer to it. So, complicated, right? And as I said before on the podcast, it is pretty common knowledge that her husband owns a medical supply and research company. He is part of Big Pharma and stands to gain from the vaccination process itself, um, which you would imagine would be a great conflict of interest for somebody who holds a position of unelected power over um, hundreds of millions of people. But it's something that would seem to be missing from the front of our media narrative or from the front of our papers a little bit like Nancy Pelosi's husband doing some insider trading apparently but recently on a trip to Germany now this is a rather sticky subject thorny subject and something that could get me into a little bit of trouble but I think that we must be brave and must discuss these things recently in Germany I saw signs over shop doorways saying no service for the unvaccinated now just let that sink in for a moment it's kind of low-hanging fruit, a most likely fruit that is too rotten to draw comparisons to the 1930s, and we will tread carefully. But often over the last 20 plus years, I've been told by Germans that I simply don't understand the shadow that hangs over their society since World War II. And I would probably agree. Our relationship to history does, of course, differ if you're Irish to German. Being Irish means you are from a small nation, a nation that was fundamentally oppressed, that was part of an empire. Um, our history is famine and migration, all of those kind of things. Very different, for example, to the experiences of somebody in a German school growing up to their um, history of the 20th century. We acknowledge that. But so on those terms, I was told many times that um, I had to be respectful of the things that I did not understand. For example, about the shadow of the right hanging across society, or let's call it something that is deep within the spiritual, um, the sort of spiritual psyche of um, one nation and not another. Well, then, as someone from outside of Central European society, from the outside looking in, am I allowed to sound some kind of alarm or ring at least a small bell? When does creating a society segregated by medical papers end well? If someone could tell me that, I would like to know. Do we not learn anything from history? Okay, you want to scream and shout at me for being hyperbolic or too melodramatic. Maybe, maybe so. But, but tell me deep down, deep, deep down, you don't share some of those worries. When Australia has clearly built internment camps for the unvaccinated, where new sweeping powers are being debated over the coming days in New York to, um, well, I'm not going to try and paraphrase all of those laws, but it would seem to um, grant, it would seem to grant 
um, the governor or the institutions of power and state in New York, the ability to imprison people um, in interminably uh, who present a health risk. Is that right? Is that the right word? Etc. Etc. I'm getting off the point here, but deep within the autodidact personality personality traits of Central Europeans that I don't think quite exists within the Irish psyche. Is there deep within the German psyche, the Austrian psyche, a form of that which is being piqued by this sense of divide and conquer authoritarianism? And maybe when I see a sign that says no service for the unvaccinated, it does indeed sound a few alarm bells. You think I'm being hyperbolic? That's no problem. That's no problem. I hope so. Are lockdowns coming again? Well, it certainly feels like we're being prepped for it. As I said, Ireland has closed all hospitality at 8pm. And I'll come back a little bit momentarily to what I just said, because it's quite a heavy context, is the idea that somebody from outside of Germany would notice that. Now, maybe people within, they think, no, you don't really understand. And that's fair enough also. But as someone from outside of that society it does ring something of an alarm bell. Leaders already stating, leaders across the West already stating at some stage the vaccine passport will basically run out um, and that your green tick will go red and it will be clear you must take a booster to regain access or to put new batteries in the machine or else, or else. And so you are on the booster treadmill. Um, People say... This is the end of the pandemic as the new variants are not lethal, which is how a vaccine would act or how a virus would act, right? Anything. And so there are a lot of dots to connect there. And something I've often thought about this year is the same people who screamed about the injustice of the American prison system, about how it took um, ethnic minorities um, and placed them in private prisons, which need a turnover of inmates to make profit, Um, Why could next year or the year after not see outsourced medical oversight centres built in Europe to house those who refuse to vaccinate? Well, that's very un-European, Alan, is it? In my understanding of history over the last 100 or 125 years, I would say it's entirely European. So how has it become like this? An indulged middle-class European society obsessed with safety? Question mark. Or has all this awoken something darker? The autodidact who made the trains run on time to the camps. Has this spirit been awoken or am I just being too much? And it will all retreat into the rearview mirror in four or five or six months. The name of the podcast is, of course, Agitators Anonymous. It's not called um, Simple, Easy, Happy Thoughts or whatever else you want to say. Maybe I'm being too much. I hope to be. But as I stated before, reasonable man says moderate thing never got the heart. Never got the headlines, did it? And of course, I caveat this by simply stating, asking questions is the logical standpoint. Being sceptical about all things is the rational standpoint. If you want to argue with me from the faith-based side of follow the science, that's fine and well, but I think you've got to be honest with yourself. And one thing that I find really, really um, potentially dark and interesting, dark and interesting, um, one thing I find quite troubling is the rhetoric from people across the Central European um, side of the fence screaming about the unvaccinated. How are they going to rationalise the fact and that anger 
with the fact that it would seem less than 5% of people in Africa are vaccinated. Are they planning on imposing this anger on Africa after Europe? After they are done with their neighbours in the leafy suburb of Vienna, are they planning on stopping migration, perhaps? Are they going to erect a wall, erect a huge border around Europe to stop the unvaccinated from other countries coming in, namely Africa in this question? I would hope that all the people who are screaming at me about um, calling me a COVID idiot or whatever else, or screaming at whoever else who is asking a question, are going to take up that question and logically ask themselves, well, if this is how they feel about the unvaccinated who live in their same street and they feel so strongly, then surely this means that 95% of the population of Africa are unwelcome in that same leafy suburb. suburb. Or are they? Yes, complicated, complicated conundrums that I think many people are unwilling to consider. Um, are they willing to consider, as I said, that many people who are opposed to the mandates themselves might also be migrants who have fled authoritarian regimes. Some of my friends who I play football with from North and Central Africa said to me, um, these kind, these forms of authoritarianism that you guys are flirting with are what we fled from to come here. And now you guys are trying to impose the same thing in the name of safety and care and being kind. Interesting. They smelled a rat long before many of my Irish colleagues did. Exactly. And who knows, do we do we respect people's religious views that they are no longer, um, that they are unable to take um, X, Y or Z because of their religion? I am a Satanist and therefore I refuse to take booster number eight. I'm afraid, sir, we do not respect your religious beliefs that preclude you from that. We know the vaccine uptake is small and ethnic minority groups. Are they the people that they will ask to send to camps? The people who will now have to live with segregation? The spectre of some very dark colonialist paternalism is looming ahead. And it is indeed a form of impending racism, I would say. Certainly everything is going to hit the poorest in society. So if you are busy screaming at your neighbour about this, that and the other, Think about it in the broader picture, the broader sense. Um, And I've stated before, and for the sake of levity, I have been played by my own algorithm, poked and prodded into anger and frustration, and that by the summer, things will have calmed down. Possibly, possibly. Big Pharma revealed to be benign benefactors with your health, with your health at their core. Governments were just doing their best trying to save the health service, etc. This might be true, but really, but really... We are told repeatedly these are the worst case scenarios by these unelected health service officials. They aren't scientific modelling. Does anyone go back over their predictions from months ago and hold them to account for their massive over predictions in every case? It would seem no. Does the media take them to to task? Seemingly not. Does the media even ask why anymore? Certainly look at the front pages every day in Ireland. It was just full of the rush to get boosters in order to save Xmas. The cases, the this, the that. And winter. No discussion of why is this happening anymore? Is this really necessary? Of deaths? Of the need for anything? If this is the right decision? Or of holding any power to account? No discussion of the implications for human rights. In fact, as I stated by the end of last year, in my opinion, 
Human rights have been suspended and civil liberties halted. Halted. And so, but it's to save lives, Alan, is it? In the UK, there was reported to be 750 people, 700, <laughs> definitely not, 750,000 people on the waiting list for unchecked screenings, cancer treatments, and a whole raft of other ailments. 75,000, as I read here. So, in fact, woe betide you get sick in Ireland right now, because unless you have the dala, you ain't been seeing. You ain't been seen. Talking to friends who have fallen foul of this lately, and who knows, that could be me tomorrow, who've been referred to their doctor who will refuse, who doesn't answer the phone before bringing their kids into A&E, into casualty. It's a nightmare. And it's so... If this is going to be how it is, that you've got to pay to be seen, surely it will affect poor people even more so. And who is on Twitter screaming about saving lives and towing the narrative of the health services and big pharma? It certainly ain't working class people who are too busy being working class than to be on Twitter. Hence why I think so much of what is going on is about class. You have the money, the online income potential, the garden to play in with your kids, if you have them, or an online avatar to live through and have been in bibing the woke line of viewing the pandemic, you certainly really aren't seeing the simple facts on the ground for working class people. My mates got two, my mates, two small kids got ill. The advice is to call your GP before bringing them to hospital to get a referral. And are you going to need, in theory, then a test? GP doesn't answer reception or goes, I'll call you back during the day. We'll call you back. Never does. Does he wait, bring his kids and who knows, save their lives or not or wait for the gatekeepers to open the gate? They don't call back. And this story is replicated hundreds, if not thousands of times a day across this country, I have no doubt. But meh, Alan, this doesn't fit in with the narrative the childless 20-something pyjama party activist is pushing across Twitter. Of course not. So, as I said at the top of the podcast, people ask me, were we ever free? Were we ever free? And what? You know, freedom is just doing whatever you want. No. So I've been thinking about this. So like I said, when that person said to me, oh, freedom isn't just doing whatever you want, made me think about what exactly is, what exactly is freedom? Um, were we ever free? Well, we certainly were freer three years ago than we are now. Nothing is 100%. And I would say that from the very first episode of the podcast, the truth resides in the gray area. Nothing is zero, nothing is 100. And so were we by percentages, three or three years ago than we are now? Yes, that is certainly true. This is unarguable. And if anyone can point out to me, as I said, um, any historical example of when the citizens of any nation, city, state, etc., etc., handed over their freedoms and got them all back intact, I'd like to know that. So, to sum up this insane ramble, was it really a look back in the year? I don't know. But if anybody, as I said... That particular person said to me, freedom isn't just doing what you want. Who said it was? Who said it was? But what it is, is this. It is your inalienable right and not something handed to you by the state through means of coercion. It is your inalienable right, freedom. It is not, as I said, something handed to you for good behaviour. It is bodily autonomy. It is your bodily autonomy. It is the duty of civic responsibility placed within your hands to be exercised with your own judgment, within your own community, among your peers. It is freedom of speech. It is the freedom to travel and move between nations and set up a new life if you see fit. And that's kind of how I define it. 
that is your freedom and that's what's been taken. Oh, did you want to know my top few albums of the year? Yeah, well, it's Funeral Mist, Day of Form. It's the new clandestine blaze and it's the band Svirum. Is that how you say it? S-V-R-M from Ukraine. And you listen to 45 minutes of that other nonsense just to hear my top three. Well, more the fool you. That is it, Agitators Anonymous. Freedom is essential and all that other kind of stuff. Or maybe it's not and we'll all just stay inside to save the world. Over and out. <laughs>